Jocelyn. And what a delight to be all gathered together on this holy evening, Christmas Eve. Well, I have a question for you. What is one Christmas present that you remember? What is a Christmas present that you remember? You know, even though Christmas was magical for me when I was a child, I have to confess, I barely remember specific Christmas presents from when I was a kid. It's weird. Before I turned five, I think, there's only one Christmas present that I can remember, and this in particular is a strange gift to remember. It was for my sister and brother and me, and my brother is in the crowd, and he may not remember this at all. So we're going to find no, He's already shaking his head. He's just going to be contrarian. Okay. All right. Well, so that Christmas, my grandparents ordered a new refrigerator, yeah. and they gave us the box. For Christmas, they gave us a box for Christmas. That's right. One of my most memorable Christmas presents ever was a cardboard refrigerator box. Now, I don't have any pictures of it. I'm sorry. But I spared no expense in using the finest graphic design software that money can buy to recreate an image for you. Can we get, this is our graphic design template here, Microsoft Word, right? Isn't that the best? I think Microsoft Word is the best for graphic design. All right. Well, can we get a picture, please, of this beautiful, oh, look, don't you just feel like it's Christmas? Like, already, it has come. Oh, it's marvelous. So what was so memorable about this, though, was what my grandparents had done with it. When we arrived at their house, they immediately showed off this magical transformation. Look at this. Oh, yeah, yeah. It had a door that opened, and it had a window that you could look out, and it had a functional electric lantern. It really worked. It was amazing. And, and you could hang out in there alone. Does anybody ever want that for Christmas? Hanging out somewhere? Yes? All right. Yeah. Okay. It was really great. And for our first few Christmases with kids, Shay and I would be trying to figure out presents for them, and I would invariably, inevitably say, you know what makes a really good Christmas present, right? And see, it's not too late for you all. You all can take back all the presents you got and give people empty cardboard boxes for Christmas, and you can blame me, okay? Try it out. Don't try it out. Don't try it out. Well, tonight we may come expecting great things for Christmas, but in the story, we get the equivalent of a refrigerator box. Are you with me? And I'm, I'm talking about the manger. The manger. Just this past Tuesday night, our family was gathered around the Advent wreath when our 12-year-old daughter, Kay, said, you know, I've never thought about how weird it is that the baby is put in a manger. I've always thought of it just like a bed, but it's really not, is it? It's really not. Have you thought about it? Have you thought about it? It's strange. Goodness knows that we dress it up and we clean it up for nativity scenes, which we love, by the way. Thank you, children. We love it, love it, love it, love it. Devin, amazing, beautiful. And yet, the manger is really as unglamorous as a refrigerator box for Christmas. We are so conditioned to think about the manger as something sweet and holy, but in the story, it is something else. First off, the manger 
is a feeding trough. Can you say that with me? A feeding trough. It is. It's a feeding trough. The French word manger literally means to eat. And a manger is a feeding trough for animals like horses and cows. Look at that. And donkeys. Would you put a baby where that mouth has been? Wow. So substituting feeding trough for manger, let's reread a line from the story together. Ready? It goes like this. While they were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to have her baby. Ready? She gave birth to her firstborn son, a child, wrapped him snugly, and laid him in a feeding trough. Does that feel weird? It should. It should. It is not glamorous. It is not clean. It's also a little sad. It's also a little sad. Mary laid the child in the feeding trough because there wasn't any room elsewhere. And we have heard it said there was no place for them in the inn. But the Greek word katalima simply means guest place. Guest place. It's the same word used in Luke chapter 22 verse 11. Where is the guest room, katalima, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? There was no room in the guest room. It's possible here that Mary and Joseph may have been staying with family since Joseph's folks were from Bethlehem. Remember, that's part of the story. But the house was already pretty full with people coming home for the census, for the tax lists, as the version we read said. The guest room in the house was taken. So Mary and Joseph had to find another place for themselves and for their baby. Well, look, just for now, Mary, just for now, we'll lay him in a feeding trough. So sorry, Mary, it's a temporary fix. Someday we won't even remember this part of the birth story. Except that we do. We do. And the feeding trough is exactly what we are supposed to remember. The story doubles down. It triples down on this part of the story. So that we cannot forget when the angel announces good news to the shepherds. The angel says, this will be the sign for you. Ready? A newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a feeding trough. Angel says it. And then all these angels immediately show up to sing about it. They are just giddy with this absurdity that heaven would appear on earth in a feeding trough. And then the angels hightail it back to heaven. They do not go to the nativity scene. They do not go to the manger. Even though we love our nativity scene and all that good stuff, right? They don't go there. It's the shepherds who go back to Bethlehem to confirm what has been told to them. They go quickly and they find what? They find who? They don't find the angels. They don't find wise men, believe it or not. They just find Mary and Joseph. And for the third time, we read this baby lying in a feeding trough. Are you with me? Do you get the sense that just Maybe this might be important. This might be the thing that's important. But why? Why is it so important? 
no matter how dressed up and fancified it's been, isn't a feeding trough just a refrigerator box? Should we really get this excited about it to name it three times in the story and for me to preach on and on and on and on about it tonight? Can't we just go, oh? Well, let me offer three possibilities to you this Christmas. First off, the feeding trough reveals heaven on earth in broken down humility. Maybe a lot of us have come tonight looking for glitz and glamour and a photo op nativity, but just as many of us, maybe, maybe all of us, have come tonight searching for something more. We've been on Christmas overload since October. We are tired. We are weary. We are ready for something real. And it's strange that we should not read the news on our phones, but rather gather together to tell old stories, to find something real. But maybe that's not so strange, because we come broken down in the darkest days of another long year, and what resonates within us like the bells of Christmas is this humble story. At this point, it's about all that we can believe. That if God is going to come into the world, then it will be under the radar. Opposite of expectations and good news for every soul that struggles on earth. As Oscar Romero said, no one can celebrate a genuine Christmas without being truly poor. The self-sufficient, the proud, those who, because they have everything, look down on others, those who have no need even of God, for them there will be no Christmas. Only the poor, the hungry, those, those who need someone to come on their behalf will have that someone, and that someone is God, Emmanuel, God with us. Without poverty of spirit, there can be no abundance. And note, Oscar Romero said that 44 years ago tonight on the radio in El Salvador. Second, the feeding trough reveals heaven on earth in the routine and the mundane. It's a refrigerator box. It's a feeding trough. Simply put, there is nothing so plain as a manger. Manger comes from the old Latin Manducat, which means chewed. Chewed. It's chewed up. The Son of God shows up in a place that is exciting as a cow-chewing cud. That's how exciting this is. It's daily routine. But when he was much older, Jesus taught his followers to seek God in the routine above all else. He taught them to pray. Give us this day our daily bread, our routine bread. French philosopher and mystic Simone Weil developed a love of praying the Lord's Prayer in Greek slowly and intensely each day. And she wrote, the effect of this practice is extraordinary and surprises me every time. For although I experience it every day, it exceeds my expectation. At each repetition. Mm. 
Now, I don't know all of your experiences with spiritual life, spiritual practice, but I can imagine that some of you know what it's like to try some practice like praying or reading or walking and then just getting bored with the repetition. Why isn't the magic happening? Shouldn't I be excited every time? Shouldn't there be mystic revelations? Shouldn't I feel God within myself? Well, anyone who works out at a gym regularly knows that it's not always glamorous, right? It does not always feel great. In fact, often it does not. If you want to take on a new spiritual practice this new year, let me offer you a very different suggestion. When something starts to feel boring and familiar as chewing cud, thank God for it. Thank God for it. Give thanks for your familiarity with it, your friendship with it. Stripped of its glamour, it will accompany you and surprise you. In this faith community that we call Common Table, our spiritual practice starts with the table. We celebrate communion each week, remembering how the Christ child was laid in a lowly manger, a feeding trough. Dare I say it, a common table. Common, and yet from the beginning, it's the place where heaven is revealed on earth. We invite you to join us this year in this boring routine where we experience heaven on earth. And finally, finally, the feeding trough reveals that earthly things can be repurposed for heaven right here. That manger was not built for a baby, right? Nor was that tree grown to hold Jesus at his death. And yet look how holy things can be repurposed. Look how holy people can be repurposed. A feeding trough becomes a cradle. A table becomes a crucible for a new community, a new creation. Oh, friends, wherever you have been, whatever you have done, whatever you have been told, you and I can be put to a new purpose on a night like tonight. Unglamorous as we may feel, we can still receive the gift of God with us like the rough arms of the manger. We can still receive that unglamorous gift of a piece of bread and a bit of wine that Jesus offered to his friends in the guest room on the night before he died. Just do this to remember me, he said. Just do this to remember me. It's the most mundane, routine thing. And yet sometimes the unglamorous gift is the one that remains with you that sticks with you in your memory so that you remember the best gift of all. So come to the manger. Come to the feeding trough. Come to the common table. Nourished here with the gifts of heaven, may you then go like the shepherds, praising God for all that you have seen, heaven on earth, in the humblest of places. And then, and then, in your most broken down, humbled hours, when you need Christmas the most, give thanks, for Christ the Lord is come. Merry Christmas.